Blue Eye Samurai. Episode 5, The Tale of the Ronin and the Bride. Hello everyone and welcome to All Things Watched. And welcome to our official after show of the brand new Netflix original anime. Where we review and break down each and every episode of Blue Eye Samurai. And in this one we will be talking about episode 5. And of course this episode picks up right where the last one ended. However, it does start a little bit differently because what we have here is we have these Japanese folk telling this story or this tale or this legend which is of course the tale or the legend of the Ronin and the Bride and of course what we learn here is that this uh, this story actually parallels uh, Mitsu's story so I'm not really a hundred percent sure and I haven't seen the rest of the episode yet either, so I'm not 100% sure if they're literally telling Mitsu's story or if her story, like, like, is this something that's happening in the future and they're telling a bit the story of the events that we're currently watching or is it just a coincidence that Mitsu, uh, you know, and, and, her, and her story is just paralleling this story of the Ronin and, and, uh, and the Bride, so... We see uh, the Japanese people playing, you know, telling the story. We get the music, the really cool, traditional, cultural, uh, Japanese cultural music, which I absolutely loved. And then we see them actually performing this tale or this play, sort of speak, here up on the stage. And I really thought that uh, this was one of the better edited uh, stories. And don't get me wrong, I thought some of the other episodes were edited very well. But I really like this one in particular. I thought the editing in this in this episode was particularly good. And so while we're seeing, uh, you know, this tale play out on, up on stage, we're also seeing Mitsu now in the real day, in the modern day, in our modern time, or at least in her modern day, not our modern day, of course. Uh, but now we're seeing her story continue on uh, while they're narrating this other story up on the play. So. She's here about to take on the Thousand Claws or Hundred Claws, whatever they are called, that clan. Literally picking up right where the last episode ended. And she shows off some really cool discipline, really cool skill. And of course, uh, so she's defending the uh, the warriors and this brothel from the outside. Meanwhile, on the inside, we have Ringo and Akemi inside down in the cellar where they ended up bringing all the people, including... Um, uh, Madame uh, Kachi, who actually owns the brothel, and <clears throat> she said a really cool thing, but I can't remember if she said it in this episode. Yeah, she said it at the end of the last episode, as they were going into the brothel. She looks at Mitsu, and she says, you have killed us all. So this is even more motivation for Mitsu to want to sort of protect these people and so she and so Ringo and uh, Akemi and all the and all the people in there are all sent down to the cellar and Mitsu actually tells Ringo that his first task now as her apprentice is to protect these people and he you know and he tells her you know he doesn't have a weapon and whatnot and so you know as we know she basically gives him a knife and whatnot so that was really cool to see that and it was really cool to see him now sort of being assigned these little tasks and whatnot. Now, in the meantime, we end up going back uh, to a flashback, which is why, once again, I was saying that the editing of this episode is done very well because it's editing a combination of three completely different stories all woven together 
together to tell one big story. We're seeing the flashback story of Mitsu's past, but we're also seeing the present story of Mitsu now defending the brothel, but and then we're also seeing on stage the parallel story or maybe even a future story that in the in the future will be told about Mitsu. And so I just really thought that this was really really good editing. But in this flashback, we see Mitsu, and we have just such a sad scene because we have her here. She's so young, she's so, you know, she's so young and full of life and happy and excited. <clears throat> but she's told that she can no longer just be a little girl. She has to guise herself and disguise herself as a male, as a little boy. And this is when we see her actually, or see see her actually get her head shaved. And it was just so sad to see the poor child have to, you know go you know in this direction because of the amount of you know hatred and discrimination that she's you know getting from the culture just because she's a little different she's very much an outcast and whatnot so it was just really devastating to see that and really sad to see Mitsu have to go through all these things and jump through all these hoops just for the sake of trying to stay not necessarily hidden but you know so that she wouldn't she would not have to be threatened so to speak and so we get this really cool flashback then you know of her training you know we've already seen training montages of her anyways throughout flashbacks especially when she was with um you know uh the the sword maker the, the swordsman the sword maker and so now we're seeing her train at this stage of her life when she has short hair you know at least she's allowed to have some hair is short hair uh, but it was still really cool to see these little flashbacks i love seeing kid mitsu <laughs> i i just want to know everything about mitsu i just find her, uh, her story so compelling and so then once again we come back to the modern day and mitsu is just cutting through these people uh left right and center but she's doing it in a very strategic way it's not like she's just confronting them and taking them on head on she's being very stealthy very samurai-ish you know very uh, skilled uh, but unfortunately she does end up getting hurt and she gets uh, really badly injured actually uh which is <clears throat> during this fight which is really sad but in the meantime, downstairs in the cellar, uh, Akemi actually ends up coming out as well because she was in hiding with, you know, Madame uh, Kachi and with the other people that were in the brothel, the other prostitutes and all that stuff. But she comes out from hiding and decides that she's actually going to help Ringo and help defend <clears throat> the brothel because basically she says that she has never lived a life of freedom and that she would rather die fighting because at least then she would die free so that was really good character development for Akemi as well and I think uh, Akemi now seeing Mitsu willing to put her own life on the line to protect these people plus combined with Ringo who was Mitsu's apprentice willing to put his life on the line to protect these people I think this is really great character development for Akemi and definitely uh, you know we can definitely see uh, that relationship growing in the future and I have no doubts in my mind that uh, Akemi and Mitsu will absolutely become friends which is actually something that I predicted uh, a couple episodes back but it's not because I'm you know this great predictor or that you know I'm great at doing this kind of stuff it's just it's pretty obvious I'm sure you guys could see it just as easy as I could sorry folks had to take a drink but either way it's still really cool to see Akemi you know do such a selfless act she's not being selfish here she's putting her own life on the line to protect these people so meanwhile upstairs this is where Mitsu basically ends up getting a really bad blow she gets a I won't go as far as saying uh, a fatal wound but she does get a really bad wound <clears throat> excuse me which 
ends up stabbing her in the stomach. Seems like it's sort of in the side, I guess you could say, like in the front uh, left side. And this is when we go back in time again, and we see her now once again in a flashback. And uh, this really matches the present day because here is showing a flashback once again. She's being discriminated against. This group of people calls her a monster, telling her that you know she's basically like a half breed and that she doesn't belong. And so Mitsu actually puts her sword away out of a gesture of, you know, goodwill, so to speak, because she doesn't want the conflict, but she also doesn't want to hurt these people. They're hurting her emotionally and, you know, discriminating against her, but she's not, you know, she's not physically doing anything. And so she puts away her sword, she holsters her sword, and of course they end up stabbing her anyways, and they throw her out of uh, this bar or tavern or whatever it is that she's in. They just end up throwing her out, <clears throat> which is really sad because like I said this is paralleling the present because she has basically gotten stabbed in that exact same spot so once again referring to the editing going back to the editing this story this episode was edited really really well because they really did a great job at showing all you know the three stories the flashback the present and also the the story of the Ronin and the bride and then sort of matched them all together and so it just it was, it was really good it was really well done uh, but in the meantime uh, during this flashback after she gets stabbed she ends up learning that her mother is actually still alive now this is something that I wasn't expecting I, I wasn't expecting her mother to be alive because then it sort of made me you know beg the, beg the question where is she now in the present day I mean, obviously something must still have happened to her, uh, and maybe this is why Mitsu is still on a revenge, but I just feel like Mitsu was sort of on this path of revenge, you know, before this scene, if that makes sense. Like, you know, her mother, she's only now discovering that her mother is still alive, but she was already on that journey. She had already met with the swordsman, or the sword maker. She's already been training with the sword. She's already basically a samurai. But now, it's, you know, all of a sudden now she learns that her mom's alive. So I was very curious about where the story was going to go from there. And so her mother tries to get her sort of to stick with the Japanese culture, which is, of course, marry her to someone, uh, you know, who would love her, take care of her, and basically, uh, you know, make her someone's bride, because that was just the way it was. It was tradition so to speak and so but she also knows that you know not everybody is going to accept Mitsu Mitsu is not you know you know she's considered a monster half-breed all that stuff and so her mother ends up pairing her up with someone else who has basically been discredited he has no honor he's looked down upon and frowned upon uh, you know by other uh, you know Japanese men as well so he's been sort of uh, rejected by the culture as well and by the status quo and so I thought this was really interesting and it was really cool to see this pairing and I actually really like this part of Mitsu. I really like seeing, uh, you know, this part of the flashback where we learned that she actually did have a husband. And uh, and then not only did she have a husband, but he was actually really good to her uh, because, you know, the day that they get married, you know, as you can see, they're both lying down, but they're separated. They're not lying in the same bed. You know, this gentleman didn't try to take advantage of her. He didn't try to sleep with her or anything like that. They're actually fully separated. And... I really liked how the husband actually went down to Mitsu and sort of whispers to her. He basically says, I'm not a brute. So this, you know, even though at this particular time, she probably still did not, you know, trust him. It did absolutely plant the seeds for the future of when she would eventually uh, trust him. 
and so then we come back again to the modern day but down at the cellar and uh, of course the the claws the claw clan or whatever they're called the thousand claws they end up coming down to the cellar there's two of them <clears throat> and uh, Ringo and uh, Akemi are forced to defend themselves and this is the first time that they, either one of them as far as I know has actually killed anybody well definitely for Ringo but I'm not sure about Akemi uh, but definitely Ringo he hasn't killed anybody uh, ever and so he's you know he's forced to take a life here but even though he takes the life it's not really it's more of an accident he doesn't really straight up just kill somebody it's more so that they fell on his blade uh, but he did cut the fingers off someone uh, who was hurting Akemi and then of course just as you know the Clyde guy is about to attack Ringo Akemi jumps in and then stabs the guy in the neck so it's really cool seeing them both work together here and seeing that they were both able to come together to defend this brothel and to defend the cellar with the people in it. It's just it's really cool that Ringo sort of has this little uh, heroic moment, I guess you could say. Uh, and then back in the flashback then, so now we have uh, Mitsu and her mom and her now husband. And he's here <clears throat> and they're all together. And one thing that was really funny about this episode was that every time Mitsu cooks or anything like that, she's not a really good cook, so none of them really likes uh, or really liking her food or anything like that. So, you know, right now they, they're sort of all serious and whatnot, but eventually they do lighten up and they start to laugh. And then we get some more really nice scenes here. You know, we see that, you know, Mitsu is helping her husband sort of train this horse. The horse seems a little bit wild, but he ends up, you know, the horse ends up bang, bowing down to Mitsu, and it seems like Mitsu was able to, uh, you know, gain dominance over the horse. You know, the horse seems uh, loyal to Mitsu, so he gives her the horse. And uh, and also, it was really nice, the color scheme here was really nice as well. This is the first episode where we got to see really bright, vibrant colors, uh, almost like the rainbow colors, you know, reds and greens and blues <clears throat> and flowers and stuff. And so it looked really nice in terms of visually, the animation looked really nice. And so, but also you can see Mitsu and her husband now starting to bond. And then, of course, uh, as the episode progresses, obviously, they, you know, this is over the course of the episode. It's not like it's happening scene for scene. But then finally, Mitsu, you know, finally uh, surrenders to him. And she actually kisses him and makes out with him and whatnot. And now they're really officially uh, sealing their, you know, husband and wife relationship. Uh, and now they've both really surrendered uh, to each other, which ultimately is what marriage is all about and it was and I really was not expecting this as a backstory for Mitsu uh, especially considering that we learned that her mother was still alive because you know like I said she's on this revenge uh, path to kill these uh, the four white devils so I thought it was very interesting that she had this whole life that we just didn't even know about up to this point and so then we come back to the modern day and uh, Mitsu is able to regain enough strength to come forward and she's able to fight the clang, the claw clang, just enough to be able to save Akemi and to save everybody uh, that was in the brothel uh, and whatnot. So she's still very well, very much wounded, but she's able to gather enough strength and uh, come to her feet and just, you know, she's able to defend uh, this round at least. And then we come back to uh, <clears throat> a flashback again. And this is the first time that Mitsu shows her husband that she's actually a samurai because he's really good with the blade too but it's just that he was dishonored for whatever it was that he did 
they they said that he was dishonorable or something like that as a warrior but he was still a warrior and so uh you know they fight and they <clears throat> and she obviously overcomes him she's been training her entire life she's really been training for this revenge mission uh, but it was really cool to see them interact and i actually really like mitsu having a husband uh, it was really cool i would really i think it would be really cool too in the future if that's how her story ended if she ended up finding a new husband and actually settling down and having a family but it was really cool seeing her with this guy and plus the fact that he was an outcast as well he was dishonored uh so it was kind of cool seeing that and then also then uh, at the same time they're still telling the story of the tale of the Ronin and the Bride which they're acting out up on stage so once again uh, you know the three f different sort of stories all telling one story uh, but so it was, I just really like it was really cool seeing that which is why I do think that this stage story I, I have a feeling at least that this is probably the future uh, maybe you know after season one or maybe even like a, a flash forward to the very end of the series i think they will do a season two but you know i i, I don't know it's just so similar to mitsu that i just i can't see it not being her but i guess we'd have to wait and see and then in the meantime in the flashback again uh mitsu has been uh she has herself all done up really nice with makeup wearing a nice white robe and all this stuff and she ends up getting surrounded by this by these uh, individuals or whoever it is that's actually looking for Mitsu. I don't really know if they're if they want to actually kill her or if they just want to take her in, sort of put her on trial and whatnot. And her husband ends up returning, but when he sees what's going on, he ends up turning around and leaving. Now that of course is a little suspicious, you know, because it would especially for Mitsu, she doesn't know if she can trust him and she just automatically actually don't trust him. And when she sees her husband leave, she starts to cry and you can see the mascara and all of her makeup running down her face and whatnot. And this is when Mitsu ends up going down a road that I don't necessarily fully agree with. You know, I, I absolutely love her as a character and I've been loving the story so far, but I just felt like this scene in particular was very outside of her character like I just don't I didn't everything that we've seen of Mitsu up to this point I felt like was you know someone who had a really hard life and someone that was very relatable and someone who stood up for what was right but then all of a sudden here just because her husband went away like she just automatically assumed that he was the one that turned her in and she just went from like <laughs> zero to a hundred and I just don't know if that would have really happened like to me it didn't fit the character of the Mitsu that we've been following for you know the first four episodes but I could be wrong maybe maybe it's from the trauma and stuff of her as a child and and everything that happened to her mother but she ends up attacking all these uh, people anyways and she ends up winning of course and then that parallels the present day and we see her fighting uh the the the, the thousand claw clan and we have there's a really cool animation here it's a really cool fight sequence because she ends up having a, she uses her sword and then keeps building upon it and turns it into uh like a different type of weapon which her husband actually told her about when they were training uh and so uh, she ends up overpowering uh, all the thousand club clan and then of course uh madame kachi ends up coming uh and putting on one of the claws and she ends up killing uh the person that was you know the rival uh, rival rivalry of uh of her uh, brothel so that was 
I guess she get to get her revenge as well, which was kind of funny. But Misu just kind of goes on and just walks on, and she doesn't interfere whatsoever. Uh, but Kamachi basically looks at her while she's walking by, and basically tells uh, uh, Mitsu that Mitsu is more of a man than any of them are. So that was kind of funny. There's a little bit of humor in that scene. And in the meantime, then we get the flashback here where we see Mitsu and her husband. And her husband ends up coming back because he did run away on the horse, but now he's coming back. And you can see her using the weapon, the blade that he trained her on and told her that if she was ever outnumbered, this would be the best weapon to use which is essentially what she did with the Thousand Claws. She ended up turning her sword into this weapon. Uh, and then, of course, but he comes back and apologizes, basically, and, and says, you know, he didn't run away because he, he it wasn't that he turned her in. He says that he was a coward. And I think it was important for her to remember that he was dishonored. And I guess that's what, what it was that made him dishonorable, was that he was a coward. He would run away from the fight. And she doesn't really think about that. I guess she just doesn't trust him anymore or something. Which is why I don't really think this suited her character. I feel like the Mitsu that we were following up to this point would never really do that. But I don't know. Maybe as a samurai they have to disconnect. I, I don't really know why they went that route. But you know, there's still a few more episodes to go. There's still three more episodes left. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But I just didn't buy into it that she would uh, you know, turn on her husband so easily. And then, of course, her husband ends up killing her mom, and then she ends up killing her husband. And that is basically the end of the flashback sequence that we get of her earlier life. And it really becomes more like, a, almost like a Romeo and Juliet, except Juliet survives. Which I guess is also sort of paralleling the tale of Ronan and the Bride as well up on the stage. So, yeah, I guess it is kind of Shakespearean. But anyways, then after we get to that scene, it comes back to the present day. And this is when, you know, her character, even in the present day, starts to take a turn that I, I don't really like. And I don't also don't really believe either. I don't buy into the fact that she would be like this with Ringo either. But either way, Ringo, you know, basically, uh, you know, is helping her. And, you know, she's, she's injured. She's beat up. And then all of a sudden they hear something in the background or someone speaking to Akemi. And so they go over to investigate. And when they get over there, it turns out that the guards from Akemi's father have finally caught up. And now they they want Akemi to go with them, obviously, to come back home. Because her father has put the decree out to summon her home, you know, because he wants to marry her off to another clan. Now, having said that, at this point, they might even just kill her. They might not even marry her off. They might just kill her, uh, you know, at this point. I don't, I don't know that they will, but I wouldn't be surprised that's just the way it was in that culture they might just kill her off now but we'll have to wait and see uh but uh, either way Ringo and both Akemi are expecting Mitsu to help her to tack up for her and to kill the guards uh but Mitsu actually doesn't do it this time and she just said, basically says hey it's not my problem once again I feel like this wasn't really in the character of Mitsu you know Mitsu for the first four episodes first four or five episodes was very or four episodes was very much you know, standing up for the little guy because she herself was the little guy. She was an outcast. And now all of a sudden she's just telling Akemi that she has to fend for herself. And I just didn't buy into that. But either way, that's the direction that the story is going. And so Ringo also gets fed up with her. Basically Ringo is the audience, <laughs> represents the audience. It's just not believable and, he, and, you know, we don't buy it. So Ringo pushes her back and... Uh, ends up giving her back the the bell that she gave him uh, basically as a a sign that you know he's her apprentice and whatnot 
which maybe is also why we call him Ringo. Uh, but anyways, he gives her back the bell and tells her that he quit and that he's no longer uh, her her apprentice and that she is not honorable and that she also is not uh, a samurai because samurais are honorable. Now, having said that, they do have a really good back and forth there because she does tell him that she never once said that she was a samurai. And that's actually true. She never did proclaim to be a samurai. She just fights as good or better than the samurai. So I guess that kind of makes sense. And then, of course, she ends up leaving all by herself. And now she's left all to herself. And then the very final scene of that episode is Akemi. And Akemi is back with her father back at the temple. And, of course, she got she's all done up again now. She's dressed up full of gold and everything. And I'm assuming that her father is just going to go ahead and marry her off anyways. And, uh, and, and basically, you know, uh, make an alliance with that clan that they were supposed to make an alliance with uh, from the beginning. Because she was supposed to marry that person. But she was in love with Tygen. And, of course, Tygen ends up, or still, I guess, Tygen now is still sort of um, on his own. And so... You know, and so uh, Akemi now is going to be forced to, so I guess now, yeah, I guess that by the end of this episode, we know that they'll just marry her off rather than kill her off. So I guess that's, that's where the next episode will pick up, I would assume. And that is episode uh, five of Blue Eye Samurai. Like I said, by the end of it, I wasn't really a big fan of where they left Mitsu's character. I just didn't buy it. I, I don't think that Mitsu would really act the way that she was acting, uh, you know, everything that we've seen of her up to that point was just not the same character that we've seen in this episode so a part of me wonders is there something going on is there a reason why she's acting the way she is like especially with the way that she sort of turns against Ringo I just didn't buy into that the way she treated Ringo and Akemi for that matter uh, so you know I, I'm thinking there's probably something going on there or something more than than what we know about or some perhaps something going on with her mentally or emotionally or maybe maybe the it's probably the flashbacks that she was having considering that she was almost killed so maybe thinking back on her husband maybe that's what got her all weird and, and made her sort of act out and latch out maybe she's taking it out on you know on Akemi and Ringo because that's you know she doesn't really have anyone else to take it or not so um, you know all those questions are, are you know not answered yet so we'll have to wait and see where the story goes from here I still absolutely love the episode I thought the, the, the story overall was really good in this episode but I did feel uh, that the character of Mitsu was really off so like I said had to wait and see what happens in the future but with that being said folks that's my review of, of this episode of Blue Eye Samurai let me know in the comment section below if you've seen it and if you'd like to tell me why or why not if you like this video click that subscribe button and until the next one